You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shotagizabil. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Bufas shot. Oh my word. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And let me just just set up um, this week's episode and, and say that you know I, I got out of bed um, before the sunrise on Saturday morning, um, I was not home, but I made my way downstairs in the hotel, out into the streets as the sun was was starting to come up, and I was I was headed to a place where I could uh, take in some of the Saints game. I hoped, and uh, you know, as as I I got nearer, um, the glow of the screen kind of caught my attention, and as I turned and looked, I saw somebody. Um, for lack of a better term, I saw, I saw some defecation. Um, and I'm not talking about Alex McCarthy's goalkeeping for the second goal. I'm talking about an actual human being um, defecating on the sidewalk. Um, the, the glowing screen was the glow of the ATM that I wanted to use uh, so I could get money, so that I could get coffee. Um, but he was instead um, using that space as his throne. Uh, it was only later. Uh, that I saw then Alex McCarthy's goalkeeping and some of the other highlights from the game that luckily this week we don't have to talk about because Saints did not get the job done, obviously. Uh, not a great game for them. And um, that's kind of been the way it's gone at West Ham uh, and against West Ham uh, over the past couple of seasons. Um, I've seen it in person. It, it doesn't look any better there either uh, for anybody who's listening outside of the UK and who, or maybe who wasn't able to make it. Um, you definitely had a better view on TV than you get from the upper section uh, of the London Stadium. But anyway, uh, that's done because we're not going to talk about that this week because sometimes things just don't go to plan. And unfortunately for Saints, that's what happened. And hopefully we move on. We learn. Um, there, there are lots of things that we can break down, but we're not going to do that this week because I'll be honest, I didn't see all of the game because I was just not able to, to do it. And that's just the way some things go sometimes. But the good news is that we do have an episode this week, and it goes back to a, a bit of a happier time. On this week's episode, I have Kurt Supple, uh, who is on Twitter and Instagram at Kurt Supple. He's a U.S.-based Saints fan out of Florida. And over the Christmas period, he flew over with him and his wife. They went uh, to Stanford Bridge. They went to St. Mary's for the Crystal Palace match. Um, and he managed to see Saints win away. Uh, he saw uh, also, uh, us get a point at home, which is not necessarily all that all that common. It was only a draw, but hey, it was still a point. And so we have some good things to to talk about. So uh, when he got back from his trip, I was able to catch up with him a little bit. 
and chat through just the, the logistics of the trip, everything from, you know, becoming a Saints fan to uh, kind of the, some of the other things that he supports and what role kind of sports plays in, in his life. And you'll learn uh, about him as we go through it. And then we'll get into the actual trip, uh, what it was like to see the, the pitch and, and uh, we'll kind of walk through all of that stuff. So uh, maybe a bit of a happier time. Uh, really, really nice for me to be able to, to talk to Kurt um, and for him to share the, his story with us. And uh, I appreciate it. I hope you appreciate it. And um, maybe uh, given the way Saints played this weekend, this is this will just be a, a, a bit of a pick-me-up, you know, somebody who's really excited about the team and, and excited to, uh, and also was able to be excited about what he saw on the pitch uh, for the most part. So uh, that's what we'll do this week. Once again, it's Kurt Supple. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Kurt Supple. Um, and that is what this week's episode is. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with the normal regularly scheduled program, you know, next week after, after Newcastle, which hopefully goes a bit better than uh, our trip up there earlier this season. But besides that, if you are a U.S. based Saints fan, the second annual U.S. of Southampton FC uh, get together, watch party, whatever you want to call it, uh, is happening in April, April 4th. So about a month from now, Saints fans from all around the country and, and Canada too, because we're not going to exclude you, uh, will converge on Fado's Irish Pub in downtown Chicago to watch the match against Watford. It should be a 9 a.m. kickoff if I've done uh, my time zone conversion correctly. Uh, and lots of other things are planned for the weekend as well. Uh, but that is the location, Fado's Irish Pub. That is the date, April 4th. And that is the time. I believe it's 9 a.m. So um, if you want to be a part of that, there are details over on the U.S. of Southampton FC Facebook page. There's a link to that in the show notes. RSVP, let them know you're coming. If you want to come, if you have questions, um, you can ask me and I will direct you to the, to the right people because I don't have all the answers and I don't exactly know how to describe to you how to get in touch with them, but I'll send you a link because that's what I can do. So that's what we're doing this week. We're talking to Kurt Supple about his trip. Uh, we're going to forget about West Ham for now, and we're going to get ready for the second annual U.S. of Southampton FC uh, watch party, get together, whatever you want to call it, at Fado's Irish Pub in downtown Chicago for the Watford match on April 4th. So hopefully those are some things to get excited about, even if West Ham wasn't one of them. And at least nobody's defecating on your ATM. At least not now. All right, let's get to it. We'll talk to you on the other side. So I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Kurt Supple. You can find him on Twitter at Kurt Supple and also on Instagram at Kurt Supple. Uh, very nice that you have a name that allows you to get uh, all of the handles without having to put 5,000 digits at the end of it. But um, just went on a, a Saints fan uh, or lived in Florida, went uh, over to uh, the UK and, and saw Saints away at Chelsea and home to Palace. Here to talk about the trip and talk about the matches and, and all of that stuff. So Kurt, thanks for joining the show and, and welcome. Yeah, Matt. Thanks for thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this to uh, get on here and, and talk about our trip. Um, you know, spread a little more news about the Florida Saints fans around here, and um, you know, just catch up with another Saints fan and talk about one of my one of my passions. Yeah, um, I should say, are you are you from Florida, or you just live there now, or what? What's the deal there? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually, you know, probably one of the few that's born and raised here in Tampa, Florida. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're mainly like a transplant state. So we have a lot of people, you know, from New York and Chicago areas, you know, those Midwest and Northeastern folks normally come down here and move down. So 
but yeah, I'm one of the few that's born and raised here. All right. Well, so you got the, the lightning, the rowdies, the rays. Um, yeah, exactly. The Bucs. Yeah. No basketball though, right? No, the closest for that is Orlando. Okay. But, uh, I was kind of a fan of them, I guess, in the 90s, you know, the Penny Hardaway, Shaquille O'Neal days, but yeah, I haven't got over there for a while. I I remember there was a, a period of time where like I sat down, I think I'm pretty sure I was an adult, but it was like, I'm going to choose like, can I consolidate my teams? Because the Astros were in the NL uh, uh, Central, uh, so I wasn't seeing them very often. And I don't really like football, uh, that uh, American football that much, but um, the Buccaneers are my team, you know, um, for, for the NFL. And nice. I don't really like basketball at all. So it was like, well, you know, I know that the Tampa doesn't have a basketball team, but I could support the Lightning. That's fine. And I just eventually just settled on, just stick with the teams you have. You're spread out across <laughs> the U.S. You just deal with it, and that's okay. So... <laughs> Uh, but I do have a, I do have some love for the, for the Rays. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, with you being an Astros fan, we have you know a lot of similarities as you know how the organizations kind of approach the the game and the league and everything. So yeah, you guys don't hit trash cans though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, if, uh, you know. Yeah, but the, the best part about that was is that the Red Sox were just found to be doing the same thing, and that's the team my brother supports. So I'm like. <laughs> I'm very happy with the fact that it's not just not just my team. It's 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 a widespread issue, I think. But right, right, yeah. As is most of those things, you know. Once it's found out that somebody's doing it, I'm sure it's not just isolated. Um, I think back when I was playing uh, like daily fantasy baseball, um, Ben Zobrist was like the secret weapon. Oh man, yeah, love um, that guy. Yeah, it was just, and then it was just what was Joe Madden gonna do with a lineup that was always. It's kind of like Pep Guardiola. Like, there's always changes. How do you make sure they're in? Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I I love Joe Madden um, as well. So, but yeah, uh, enough of that. I, I guess my my real question here is is like, where does the soccer or football like come in to to your life as somebody living in 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 Tampa, Florida? Is it are you a Rowdies fan or was it just like high school or, or earlier than that or like when did when does that happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm currently a, a Rowdies fan, but but yeah, I mean, growing up and, and everything like that, I never never played soccer. I, mean, I still have never you know really played organized soccer or anything. Just you know maybe just kicking the ball around with friends or whatever. But growing up, I mainly played baseball, basketball, you know, a little football like American football. Um, you know, I've always watched pretty much every sport though. Um, kind of just been a sports nut all around. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't really get into soccer until it was like the 06 World Cup when I was in Germany, just because my high school had a uh, foreign exchange student that was here from Germany and kind of got, you know, joined our group of friends and was always talking about, you know, the upcoming World Cup and Bundesliga and everything like that. So kind of got into that World Cup, watching that. Um, and then from that, you know, kind of first started watching or keeping up a little bit with the Bundesliga. Um, but I mean, from that, it was still, you know, 06 or whatever. So the coverage around here for soccer, I guess, in general, wasn't that crazy. I mean, even for the Premier League, I guess we had like that. I guess it was still like Fox Sports Soccer back then or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of, you know, a random fan that or friend, you know, that was a Manchester United fan or something like that. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of Premier League exposure, I guess, outside of playing FIFA or something. Yeah, I think 
that that I think that plays a, a big role because the coverage of of football here or soccer um, was was almost nothing. Occasionally, you could see a big a big team. You know, you could see Man United, you could see Arsenal or somebody like that play, but the the idea that you were going to get like the chance to watch whatever Premier League team you wanted was just not a thing. Um, and I have to say, like personally, I took like German in college. Like I've German history was like part of my major. Like had had the the coverage of the Bundesliga been better in the United States, I probably would have watched the Bundesliga over the Premier League without a doubt. But the coverage was like you said was so poor that. There just wasn't the there wasn't the chance to watch that, and I wanted to watch something more than just Bayern Munich, you know, once every three weeks. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I totally totally uh, uh, get that. Even though it wasn't, I didn't even come up. I came even later than you did, just to, to football in general. So um, I think one of my first experiences with football was was going to a, a Real Salt Lake game, and then also just watching um, watching the U.S. Men's National Team play with like a bunch like a thousand other people just in a in a room where they like kind of changed our our lunchtime around at a conference and or at a basically a work conference and we just watched the game together and that was like that was really cool so um but yeah um from there like how did you come to to choose saints as the team from all the teams that were there and you know some sometimes people have like a family connection or something like that but uh for me i didn't have that but but what's the story for you in terms of how you came to to choose saints as the team to follow uh yeah no no family connection for me either um and I guess it was kind of more just out, out of like, didn't want to support one of the big teams. You know, I didn't want yeah. to be someone that just came and jumped on the Man U bandwagon and Arsenal or Chelsea or any of those ones, any of those teams. Um, you know, I didn't want to be like someone from England coming, you know, and starting to watch the MLB here and just jumping in and liking the Yankees or something. So, yeah. um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of a mixture of, of things. Um, I remember, I think when I was in college, I read a book called Bloody Confused by Chuck Culpepper. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one, but um, he was, you know, like a kind of disgruntled sports writer here in the States that was kind of, you know, yearning for something else, you know, kind of getting tired of the personalities and everything of, of our sports here. And I think he ended up in London. Um, he actually ended up becoming a, you know, a Portsmouth fan. Uh-huh. Um, I think because he had like a connection to Portsmouth, Virginia, he's from there or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, you know, when they were in the Premier League and everything. So I think from, from reading that, um, you know, there was some, some mention of Southampton in, in that book and yeah. along with tons of other teams, you know, big and small London teams that he was running into fans, you know, as he was on the tube all the time, you know, there was like mention of Brentford, Brentford and, know some of those other smaller teams um so i think you know part of that and maybe them being considered like the villain you know is always Uh you know kind of drew me to them a little bit but then you know as i was watching more and more soccer and or at least keeping up with it a little bit more you know i also you know liked liked watching gareth bale and you know hearing like theo walcott and you know everyone knew who peter crouch was because of you know how tall he was and everything and just hearing you know all these players like at one point, you know, either came through the Southampton Academy or played for Southampton, you know, just kind of kept coming back. Um, and then I think even thinking about it, you know, like geographically, you know, Southampton was in the, you know, southern part of the UK, you know, here in Florida, we're in the southern part of the UK. I think 
Um, you know, I already mentioned, you know, the youth academy and stuff, but you know, their use of, of those youth players and bringing them up kind of was similar to uh, the Tampa Bay Rays here, which is my MLB team. You know, we're always using our farm system and everything to bring through, you know, young, good talent um, through, the, through the minor leagues. And then, you know, again, another, you know, kind of similar characteristic with the Rays is just, you know, being like a small budget team that you kind of have to be creative with, you know, how you go about winning games. So kind of all that together kind of got me to, to say, yeah, um, I'm going to go with Southampton. And I think that kind of coincided with, you know, with them coming up into the Premier League and with also like NBC Sports buying out the Premier League rights. So all of that kind of just like worked out great because, I mean, once NBC bought that, it was just awesome to like be able you know, to watch any game you wanted on any, you know, Saturday or Sunday, um, you know, for free at that point. I and mean, now it's not even bad. I think I pay whatever it's $40 for the whole season, which I can watch, you know, any game on the weekend. Yeah. Um, so I pretty much, you know, I'll watch whatever. I'll wake up and watch the 745 game on Saturday, and whatever, 10, 10 a.m. game to 1230, you know, I'll pretty much watch all of them if I can, um, whatever's on. But, uh, you know, for the cost of one one ticket, basically, um, if you're going to go to a match, watch anything. So I, I, I'm 100% there with you on that because I will just put games on all day long while I'm doing stuff around the house, you know. Uh, I go to bed to to go to games every single night almost. I just put them on just to hear the noise and and go to sleep. So I'm I'm with you. And um, yeah, my some of my reasons for gravitating towards Southampton are are not uh, are, are pretty similar to yours. And um, especially when you start talking about the use of the farm system and the young players and how the the Astros who now have a fairly big budget but for a long time were were working you know through other means basically. Um, it's, I, I appreciate that very, very much. And, um, I guess, I mean, Tampa is not considered to be a, a large kind of not, it's not a big marketplace for, for most of the teams that are there. I don't think the lightning or the, the Buccaneers, you know, typically spend a, a ton of money. They're not considered like players don't like to go there because they're going to be in the limelight. That's, and I think Southampton is kind of, you know, probably like that as well. It's a premier league team, they're top division teams, but it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not New York or it's not London and it's not like some of these other places where, you know, the stars are, I guess, um, every season in and season out, I guess, or year after year. So, uh, I, I, I kind of understand that, but, um, I guess, I guess for you, like, you know, you growing up in Tampa have this kind of thing where you still can support your hometown team, uh, kind of through all the, through most of the major sports in, in, in the United States. And, so I guess what's what's it been like to now support a team that is, you know, an ocean away from you versus a team that's kind of in your own backyard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely different, you know. Um, and you know, like like you said, yeah, it's nice to have the teams right here, and um, you know, be able to go to go to whatever matches I want, you know, if I can afford it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a little bit different. I think it's, I think just the like the coverage of of English soccer and, you know, maybe just European soccer in general is just a little bit different. Like I feel like the, the writers and stuff don't have as much access. Like a lot of, a lot of the transfer stuff now is just like all rumors and stuff. So I think just all of that is just like so much different than American sports where I feel like we just have like so much 
so much more access. Like we're right there in the locker rooms, you know, and everything, and we're pressing the coaches, uh, like questions all kinds of you know, players and coaches. So I think just all that's you know just so much different. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I still you know I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it the the coverage was a huge difference for me because it took me a long time. I, I grew up kind of trusting, you know, sports writers and, and, and I guess the names that were, were associated with stories and interviews were always like, I watched ESPN so much that they were always kind of, um, I knew who the people were that were, that were writing the stories and, and doing the interviews. And then when you go over to England, it's just the, you know, that's these tabloid kind of papers that are putting stuff out constantly. And it's like, you have to kind of, your guard has to go up a little bit in, in terms of what you read, I think a little bit more. Um, that, and that was yeah. hard for me to adjust to in the beginning. Yeah. At times, I mean, it feels like with these transfer rumors and stuff, it's just, they're kind of just throwing everything at the wall and see what sticks. You know, if they happen to be the first one that mentioned it, then great. But you know, if not, it's not like they're really going to get like held accountable for it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hate it, but that's, I, I hate, I hate a lot of things that other people like, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> you mentioned kind of a little bit about, about a match day, but like, do you generally watch matches on your own or at home? Or do you, I mean, I know, I think it's Matt Newhausen also lives in Tampa or is from Tampa. I don't know if you, do you ever, do you ever see each other or is it mostly just uh, an individual kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, most of the time I'm just, yeah, I just watch here at home. Um, I mean, I think part of that's just due to it being, you know, in the morning, uh-huh. I mean, maybe it's even earlier for you out, out on the West coast, but, um, you know, there are some like for the bigger teams. I know there's some supporters groups here in Tampa, like, um, you know, I think I know Liverpool has one and I know somebody who's also a Rowdies fan that is, uh, in like the Spurs, Tampa Spurs group. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I don't know Matt personally. Um, I heard him whenever he was on your podcast here. So, uh, you know, we follow each other on Twitter and stuff, but we actually haven't ever met up, but, um, so yeah, maybe we can start a little Tampa Saints group or something if we, if we can get something going here. Yeah, it it is always weird because you start like the Premier League in USA is I've I've worked with them in the past and they say, you know, like where are the Southampton fans? And I go, well, there's like, you know, there's three in San Francisco, there's eight in LA, and they're just like, What? Like that I'm like, that's you know, as much as we can find, that's that's where we're finding. They're they're kind of here and there and spread out across the state. I know there are quite a few looking at the statistics for the the podcast and stuff, there are some in New York and Pennsylvania and other places, Michigan, but like the, there, there, it's hard to find a concentration of, you know, 10 to 12 people that'll get together every week to, to watch a game. So, um, you know, I think when we were in the EFL cup final, I just chose to drive to LA and happened to go to a, a, a pub that was a man United pub, but there were seven saints fans or eight saints fans there watching the game. And so like, I kind of, still talk to those guys, but they're spread out all through LA, which is, is a huge place. So they don't get together all the time. So it, it's definitely uh, different because it's not like, you know, the bar was full of Man United fans full. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It could not fit anymore. And, and it, it, it's, it's different, um, you know, supporting a team that's, that's like Southampton where you don't, you don't necessarily have that, which I think is, is better because everybody's got a little bit of a unique story about how they came to the team. It's not just, Oh, I saw them on TV and liked them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if in that situation you were at, you know, there was whatever, 50, 100 Man U fans, but, you know, I'm sure they were all coming and talking to you guys about <laughs> how did you guys pick Saints and how did you guys end up here, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, 
that was it. And there was one guy in the entire bar who demanded they change one TV to the Real Madrid game and they put it on mute and nobody talked to him. Um, <laughs> more, we were more popular. They, they all enjoyed giving us, uh, giving it to us as, as the game went on, but we, you know, gave it right back and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, until the end, <laughs> uh, you know, but whatever. Um, so I, I guess let's talk a little bit about your trip. You guys, uh, you and your wife, you headed over uh, for the Christmas period. I mean, you were there during, you know, part of the, the busiest time of year for, for the team, but also uh, a time that is, uh, I, I guess, hectic in terms of traveling because there are still things that are kind of shut down because it's it's Christmas and people are doing other things. But um, I, I guess where where did the idea for the trip come from and, and was it always going to be that kind of football specific? Was your wife in for this or was it you were going on a trip and then also you were going to see some, some football? Uh, yeah. I mean, we were, we were kind of started throwing around some ideas for, you know, the Christmas and, and new year holidays, just cause you know, as, as we get a little bit older, Christmas doesn't mean all that much to us as far as when it comes to like the presents and all that type of stuff. And just, stressfulness of it you know our brothers and sisters and stuff are starting their own families and kids so um and actually my brother and sister-in-law were actually already going to be out of town for the holidays so we kind of thought that maybe opened the door gave us a little leeway yeah to kind of do our own thing this year so um because you know as i've heard you on some of these podcasts i'm a bit of like a christmas scrooge myself where i'm just like i don't care about the gifts all that stuff like i'm more about let's just get you know the family together or whatever that's why i've kind of always been more of a thanksgiving person myself too but See, i'm not the only one <laughs> so uh but yeah i mean we, we threw around a few different ideas we were you know we're looking at going to london for a few days um then Paris or something, and then maybe even like trying to throw in Brussels or something because you know, the Eurostar can, can take you, you know, between those or whatever too. So, yeah. um, but kind of as we looked into a little bit more, I think at that point we were like, I was going to fit in one game, either either the Boxing Day game or, or the Palace game. And then um, as it got, you know, a little more plans, uh, we were just like, ah, oh, let's just do the whole week in London. I, I think even my wife or even brought that up and inside i was just like you know ecstatic because yeah. i figured oh i can try to sneak in another game here and get both of them in um you know but i wasn't going to be the one that brought it up so um so yeah but i mean she definitely knows i'm a bit of a sports nut um you know before we got on here we were talking that i i was a florida state graduate and a uh-huh. uh, big florida state football fan so i mean even she's been on plenty of football weekends with me where we make the four hour drive up to Tallahassee and stuff for the weekend. And, you know, might go up one night and go to the game and then drive back, you know, or something. So she's, uh, she's put up with that for me. And, uh, we've, you know, had other trips where we've gone to an American football game or something, or, you know, I went on a trip for my birthday a couple of years ago to see the Bucks Packers play at Lambeau. Um, oh, man. She stayed home at that time, but, uh, <laughs> uh, or like my bachelor party was, we went up to New York and did like Belmont horse races and stuff. So okay. that was pretty wild. So like, yeah, like you said, I'm pretty much, I can watch anything. So huge fourth month. So she was like definitely cool with it. Um, but we had plenty of, you know, major attractions and things that we did in, in London and stuff as well. So. Yeah. And 
now remember you reached out to me just to see i think you reached out to other people as well just to see if you had any tips for finding tickets and i thought i think i told you part of the story like i i didn't have a great time getting tickets uh if it wasn't for freddie uh and a couple other guys associated with the ugly inside like i would not have gotten them um because my tickets kind of fell through with even though I had arranged them through somebody at the club and everything else, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. But, um, so what was that like for you? Cause I don't think I was very much help, but, um, you wound up with tickets both to, to the box, to boxing day and then also to, to palace at home. And I think people maybe maybe would have told you boxing day away, Chelsea away, maybe not so easy to get palace at home. You'd probably be okay. But uh, how did it work out for you? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you know, I tried to reach out to, to some of you, some of you guys to just get your thoughts on it or, you know, I didn't know if there was any kind of like secondary markets like we have here with like StubHub or SeatGeek or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, how we kind of mentioned that the other Tampa Saints fan, you know, I think he had some luck where his girlfriend or, or something had kind of reached out to the club. So I think I've even tried to do that, you know, try to like fish for a little, you know, maybe they'll hook me up with something, but um, I didn't really get like any response from them, which was fine. But um, I did, you know, reach out to the, the Saints ticket office, um, exchange some emails with them even, you know, called over there a couple times, like leading up to when the tickets were about to go on sale. And yeah, I mean, kind of like you said, they, they were all saying, you know, the Chelsea tickets are probably going to be tough. Like they're never going to reach the, the general sale um, level, but they were like, Palace, you should have, you know, no problem with that. But yeah, I mean, I think overall that, that whole ticketing process of buying tickets, you know, was totally different than it is over here too. Yeah. But I think they, you know, I think they do it right, you know, in a way, because they do, you know, obviously if you're a, a bigger supporter, you, you know, you get the higher membership or you go to a lot more games. I think it's right, you know, that you should get um, some priority, you know, over, over whoever else. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, I think it was just, I think the, the tickets for the Chelsea match went on sale. It was like that Monday of the week of Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it was about a month out. So I actually like woke up first thing that Monday, I think the ticket office opened at like 9am. So it was like 4am here and <laughs> called over and I was just like, Hey, like, what do I need to do? Um, I think at that point it was like, you had to be a certain membership level, um, which I, you know, didn't, I just like registered for whatever the free membership is, you know, we, yeah. so I know through email or whatever. Um, but I kind of lucked out cause I think they were doing like a pre black Friday deal on the membership. So it was like half the price or something. Um, so it actually like worked out great. Um, you know, I just had to buy a membership for my wife and I, but then they were like, well, you can buy the Chelsea tickets and the palace tickets today. Um, so I was kind of like, you know, yes. who cares? Like we're going, <laughs> you know, like we already have our plane tickets and everything. Like, um, I'm in, you know, I don't really care how much it costs. Um, yeah in a way, you know, one, one, once in a lifetime kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I was trying to email them or I think I even called the, the ticket office a couple more times, just to kind of be like, Hey, what do you think are like the best sections? You know, at Chelsea, do you think it's better to be in the lower tier or the upper tier, you know, the shed end and all that? Um, yeah, they were, they were definitely helpful. You know, it's only to go in the upper and said, you know, you have a better view and stuff. I mean, our, like our tickets for Chelsea were, amazing we were like right in the corner and we were like 
in the first row of like where the like kind of where the walkway broke, you know, like where you have like the first five or six rows, you know, and then there's like a bit of a walkway where you would come out of the tunnel. So like we were like no one in front of us, you know, so you had like perfect view um, from the corner. It was it was really good, and then the palace tickets or we were in like the section six or block six. Um, so we were like right around, you know, midfield kind of up from the, from the palace bench about halfway up. So, um, totally different environments, I guess I would say, because obviously like the away match here, it's probably more like the Itchen North end where everyone's, you know, chanting and cheering and everything like that rowdy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the, the, you know, side of the pitch section six was, you know, a little more, I guess not older crowd, but, you know, probably more season ticket type of holders where they're just kind of there to watch the game and, you know, a little more serious about that part of it. Um, but definitely both cool experiences and great views from both of them. So I would definitely, you know, do that. But I think it's just a little bit of kind of what you're, what you're going for and what you're, what you're trying to experience. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I, I'm not uh, an expert on this by any means, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the tickets you had for palace were probably more expensive than if you sit behind one of the goals or in the corner, you know? So there's definitely a, a, a price. Some people will probably maybe priced out of those for buying them every, every match. Um, but I, I, I'm interested in the, 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 the Chelsea, we'll start with Chelsea and just the, the away day kind of experience. Cause uh, you mentioned you normally watch matches on your own. I'm much, much the same way. Like, games kick off here at 4 a.m. on Saturdays like nobody's nobody's coming over um to to watch that with me that's just you got to do that on your own um so for you for that day waking up and and going to that match uh what like how different was that day from like your normal day what did you do kind of leading up to that to that kickoff and and how did that feel kind of getting ready to go see the team you know that you flew over there for kind of for the first time yeah I mean I think it was I guess it was kind of, you know, like going to a sporting event here, you know, like in Tampa or at Florida State or something where, you, you know, you, you know, you're going to be there in person. So you're, you're a little more jacked up. And, um, I know, you know, you're a, you're a baseball guy too. So like superstition and stuff. So I, I you know, I felt like I kind of like, you know, laid, laid my jersey out, you know, on the bed <laughs> and everything while I was getting ready, you know, and all that, and, um, you know, making sure, you know, I wore the, Definitely, you know, after the Chelsea game when we went to Palace, then making sure I wore like the same jeans and everything, you know, kind of did the same routine that Absolutely. type of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it was just being a little more, a little more jacked up. Um, I had, you know, I had messaged with Ray from the in that number podcast a little bit too, just kind of ask him like, what were his thoughts about Stamford Bridge, you know, how, you know, about getting there and getting a drink or anything, you know. And, he had never been there before. You know, he was just kind of like, you know, it could get a little rough around there. So, um, and I kind of, you know, know just from how, you know, away fans and stuff and pubs might not be accepting of you. I was like, well, we're not going to try to go down by Stamford Bridge and get anything. So, but we did go, we have a couple beers, you know, close to our hotel, um, at like a sports bar that I was playing that, I think it was the Tottenham Brighton match that, that day. So, we caught a little bit of that before we before we went on the train down to uh, Stamford Bridge, but yeah, I mean that was that was a cool experience too, just because you know you kind of knew coming you know from 
or you know being within London that it's probably going to be more Chelsea fans on the on the tube with us. So you know I made sure that like my jacket I kept that you know zipped up and covering my my jersey and you know my wife had like a bright red sweater on so um, trying to kind of stay stay out of view undercover I guess. <laughs> that's, um, that's I mean yeah it I don't know I I was really worried about that the when we went and saw the match or when I went and saw Saints play at West Ham, they had just stormed the pitch, you know, or, and, you know, thrown things at the director's box, the, the time, the match before. And so there was added police presence and things like that. And Freddie was as calm as ever. Um, there was no, there were no worries whatsoever. And I was very much just a a ball of nerves, like the jet lag, like we landed on Friday and we went to the game on Saturday. So like, jet lag and then the alcohol and everything. I was just a, a mess, but Freddie kind of kept me, kept me, walked me through it. And then I just couldn't contain myself when I saw the pitch and heard the, heard the music and saw the guys like run out and break from the huddle. I was like, ah, oh, this is, you know, this is what I came for. It was, it was a big, I don't know. It was, a, it was, it's a weird experience. It's hard to, to put into words a little bit, which is sad considering I'm asking you to do the exact same thing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but like the, uh, uh, you were at West Ham, so like the, the only experience I have with them is like from that Green Street Hooligans movie with Elijah Wood. Yeah, you ever yeah. See that? <laughs> so yeah, that was always a intense, you know, kind of that's kind of burned into your skull then too of that, you know, kind of hooligan outfit of you know a black jacket, ripped up jeans, and you know white trainers. So yeah. you're just kind of keeping an eye out for those guys. It- that was, and it was my first experience really ever being in another country. Like it was, we, we landed, we took the train, we got in an Uber, we went to the hotel and then we basically went like down by the London eye. So like we didn't walk far from the hotel. And so like my first experience on the tube was with Freddie going to West Ham. Like my, like, so like I'm kind of entering into this world that I've never seen. I don't have any idea kind of where I am or like everything was, was different. And then just kind of walking through you know, down the street and seeing all the buildings that are, I mean, they're buildings, but they're way different than what I have here around where I live. So it's, it's, it's just totally different and, and kind of a, an awe-inspiring experience, even though it's just, you know, kind of just part of London. Like most people wouldn't yeah. think anything of it. So, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it was cool. Yeah. When we got, got off that, that train, then, you know, we kind of, they kind of funnel you out one way, you know, straight to the stadium and we're passing a couple stands that you know are selling scarves or programs or whatever and then you're kind of just well you know walking through almost like a neighborhood and then it's just like all of a sudden boom to the left is this you know forty thousand seat stadium that one you didn't even know was there you know when you're walking down the street so um it was kind of funny when we were walking up because i had to um, collect our tickets from the ticket office there because um i think saints just they just ended up like sending them or put me on like a list to pick them up. But we ran into like some Chelsea, you know, somebody that was working for Chelsea and I was like, Hey, where's the ticket office? And you know, they're like our uh, home, home fans or whatever. And we're like, no way. And they were, you know, a bit like taken aback that I think, you know, we were Americans and here for Southampton yeah, you know, versus yeah. I'm sure Chelsea is just like, well, that's that they get that quite a bit. Yeah. Like they like, don't you know what team Christian Pulisic plays for? We're like, yeah, <laughs> right, right. We do, um, but yeah, no, I think that's I think that's awesome. And and there are um, a couple of guys that do a podcast um, 
called the London is Blue podcast from the United States, and they they are great, and they've they've been on this show before. Um, Nick Nick Merlini has, and uh, he's he's I don't know, like I I have more respect for for them, kind of talking to them about about the team than than I used to. I used to really hate Chelsea for no good reason. Um, I still don't like them very much though, but um, it it doesn't matter. I'm glad we beat. I'm glad we glad we beat them. Um, yeah, for more than one reason. But uh, yeah, um, as you're kind of like getting there for me, like w- w- one of the big things was like when I wa- when I saw the pitch and I like that, cause when I went to West Ham, like we got in and we didn't, we didn't have very much time to get in and get kind of settled. And, and I went to the restroom and then as I kind of walked up to the seats, you kind of go, like you come out from underneath the, the stands that are over, over your head. And like, then the sound kind of hits you. Like you're kind of, you kind of like get engulfed by the sound as you exit, um, through that corridor or whatever it is. And for me, that was like a big, that was a big like turning point, like not a turning point, but just one of those things that that, that's when I knew I was there, you know? And I don't know, did I, and I I guess at the same time, when I walked up at St. Mary's, I went up the steps, uh, after you go through the, the turnstile and everything, you go up the steps and then you can see the pitch. And for me, like, as I could see the pitch and you know, you, the crowd, once again, as you go up through that, that tunnel, kind of it, the, the noise starts to get to you and, and all that stuff. So did you have anything like that when you kind of got there or were you there too early to like, so the noise wasn't as loud yet? Or what was it like for you kind of seeing the picture? What, what was there a moment that kind of let you know, like, Hey, this is, I'm here and this feels like a, like a, like an event now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we definitely got there a little early for the Chelsea game. Um, I think, you know, it was just kind of like, we just wanted to get there and make sure we were in the right spot and get the tickets and everything. But, um, but yeah, I mean, going back to like going in and everything was, you know, a different experience too, because obviously like being away things, you can just go in this one gate, you know, in one turnstile. And then, you know, we go up just this one set of stairs and, you know, even up there, like right out, side the section you know it was just like a couple bathrooms and then like the one concession that we can only go to you know you can't get to like any other part of the stadium and it's just totally different here where it's just completely wide open you know all these stadiums that you can just walk around to whatever section so that was a little bit different for sure um but yeah i mean i think you know once we got up there and you know i was having a beer when we were there and um but like you know kind of just peeking your head down that down the tunnel um to the seats to kind of see the pitch and, you know, see all the blue seats of Chelsea and stuff. And, and that was pretty cool. And then, you know, we went in there and, and saw some of the team warming up and everything. And I think, you know, that's kind of, kind of when it started, you know, the blood flowing a little bit more. And then, I mean, I think it was just, you know, once the game started and, and, you know, kick off and the fans starting, you know, the, when the saints go marching in, it's just like, all right, I'm here. This is it. This is insane. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, isn't it a kind of a different rule though? Like from the United States where you can't drink with inside of the pitch, like did, did, did you know that going over and then was it a shock to you to, to hear that? Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of knew that they had something like that where you couldn't drink, you know, like during the game or whatever. But, um, but yeah, my wife said she knew someone from her work that had recently gone to like a Spurs game over there. And, you know, she had kind of told her that, um, that like, yeah, they, everyone, right when the kickoff happens, you know, basically just throws out whatever beer they have, or, you know, at halftime is the same way. You know, once they start playing, they just go right back to their seats. And yeah, it is kind of weird. I mean, 
it's probably probably a good thing, you know. It's probably something we probably need to adopt because I feel like a lot of games are, you know, here we can have a lot of rowdy fans and stuff. But um, but yeah, I've been to a couple of of games in the middle of the summer. Um, we went to a Fresno game and there were people drinking beer because it was it was 107 degrees at kickoff. Kickoff was 7:30 at night. It was 107 degrees, 103 degrees. Like people, <laughs> people are drinking beer and they've been drinking beer all day. And then yeah, it it can get it can get messy and that's not, it's not great. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was different to me cause I can, I don't drink beer that fast. And so it was like, Freddie's like, all right, time to go. And I had like, you know, half a beer left. He had three quarters of beer and I was like, oh, you know, I have time. He has three. Quarters. And then all of a sudden it was gone. And I was like, oh man, I got to catch up. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, so being prepared for that stuff, I think is, is, is good. Um, I mean, going into the match, like, you know, you're going to see the team you love and, and you want to be there to support them and, and you're going to support them, but it's Chelsea there. They had been in maybe the best of form and, and we had been kind of, we, 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 I think we talked maybe it was before we, we got on, like we, we'd been hit and miss. Like we, you know, would show up for a couple of games, play really well. And then we kind of go, uh, and then we had the West Ham result. And then like we had other matches where we didn't really show up. So like, what were, what were your expectations for, for that match? Were you thinking we were just going to, you know, keep it tight and hope to hit him on the break or what, what were your thoughts in terms of going into the match and, and your expectations for the team going in? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, like we said, or like you said, before we kind of started recording, um, yeah, we were talking a bit. I mean, I think going into this, you know, we had beat Watford, we had beat Norwich, uh, you know, had kind of a slip up against Newcastle and then just kind of a bad game against West Ham. And then we beat Villa, but it was kind of like, all right, yeah, we should have beat all those teams. Um, so don't really know, you know, what, what kind of Saints team is going to show up, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we knew, I mean, I knew we, we always play a little bit better going away, but like I said, it is, it is Chelsea. And I, you know, I think it was just kind of like, Hey, yeah, like you said, let's, let's kind of just try to catch them on the break. Let's, just kind of try to get a point out of this game really. Um, and I think, you know, also seeing the, when the lineups came out, you know, and Ings was on the bench and it was kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I figured we're kind of just punting, you know, punting away this match and we're going to try to, you know, win the palace match on Saturday. So, um, I did though in the back of my mind and I, I wish I would have sent the text because I don't have a copy of, you know, this draft or whatever say, but I was texting either my brother or my dad, but, um, I was saying, you know, Chelsea, you know, I just played Spurs before our game. And then after, you know, they were playing Arsenal on the weekend. So it was kind of like this set up like a, like a, you know, possible trap game, you know, like we would call here for like college football, you know, or something where, yeah. You know, you're playing like a little lower opponent and might overlook them because you're kind of already looking ahead to that next big game. So it might have, you know, might have just kind of lined up like that where they just didn't really take us serious. I don't know, but, uh, you know, I'll take it. And I loved it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was I remember kind of thinking like that's the game you, you would have said that's the game that we probably don't we probably don't plan on winning, but you want to make sure you get points elsewhere. But then you look at the points we needed to get just because of the form we were in and, and other things like, and all of a sudden it becomes much more important because you haven't gotten maybe all the points you needed to get elsewhere. Um, so, but, but as you said, Ings on the bench, like, you know, definitely looking towards, towards crystal palace that I, I thought that was okay. And that was probably the way it was always going to go. But, but then the team kind of, 
I don't know that I want to say they surprised us, but they surprised us. They, they played so well. They, everybody did the job they needed to do. I guess, I mean, you've seen professional soccer, uh, well, I, I assume, uh, and maybe, maybe I shouldn't assume, but had you seen professional soccer in person before? Definitely not to like this, uh, I guess, high this degree. Level. Yeah, okay. this level. And I guess, you know, as the team, everybody's doing their job and, and things like that. And, and the movement and stuff that we see on TV and the replays we get, obviously you don't get in the stadium, but how different was it seeing Saints perform kind of in person? And could you, uh, are are the same things that we see on TV that are pointed out to us maybe by the commentators, are those things also noticeable to, you know, when you're in the ground or was it, was it a lot harder to watch because of the angle you were at or, or what was it like seeing the team live versus seeing them on TV each and every week? Yeah, I think, I think that's probably the biggest, you know, change was seeing it in person and just, I guess, seeing like how, how big the, the field really is and, and how much space there is. And, um, but yeah, I think seeing it in person, you definitely see a lot more than we're able to see just in the, in the, you know, televised coverage where, you, know, you see a little bit more of the of the tactics in action, and uh, I think you know a little bit more when when we were at the Palace game, we were closer to the sideline. You know, being able to see Ralph, you know, stepping up to the touchline to kind of talk to the guys, or you know, changing a couple things around. Um, like I think in that game, you know, like early on, I think he flipped. Like um, I think it was Redman and Buffal. Like, kind of switching them around on which wing they were playing on and stuff like that. And just kind of seeing it, seeing that part of it, um, it was definitely, you know, it was cool to see, see that bit. Yeah. It, I, I noticed that one, as you mentioned, the pitch is so, it's so big, it's so much wider, wider, especially than it looks, um, on television. And there is a lot of space, but also how fast that space yeah. gets closed off. <laughs> Um, the, and, and uh, my thing is always how hard they're kicking the ball to pass it between the center backs or from the center back to the fullback, like how fast that ball is traveling and how every single person, all 22 guys in the field can just kill the ball and keep it super close to them. Whereas, you know, except for Shane Long, um, <laughs> but it, that just that quality, um, and just, I think sometimes I zoom in on just watching one guy play for a couple of minutes and just the constant uh, the everybody's constantly looking over their shoulder and checking over their shoulder and trying to move and find space. And it's just, it's this whole thing that like, I, I'm, I, I, I guess I know a lot of those things that happen for baseball because that's what I played growing up and, and all the way like through high school and into college. And so you kind of pick up all of those things, but then watching another sport where you maybe not as familiar with it, like all of those things become, I think to me so much more interesting and, and I want to learn, you know, all about what they do and why they do it and, and all that stuff. So I think when I saw them in person, I think that's what I, what I came away with a lot is there was a lot of, a lot of things you just don't see on the television because it's the, the, tele, the television's following the ball and the, you know, a lot of the stuff yeah. happens off the ball and you just don't get to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you made, made a good point about, you know, trying to just kind of zero in on one player for a few minutes. Um, I, you know, that was something I was telling my wife and she's not, the biggest soccer fan or whatever, but she, you know, watches some games with me and will put up with it because it's something I love, you know, but, you know, even in that Chelsea match and, um, you know, he isn't on our team, but I was like, Hey, if there's one person you're going to watch, like in the middle, just watch Conte, you know, number seven there, like he's probably one of the best guys out there right now and just watch him move and and where he's covering and everything. Yeah. It's, 
it, it is nice just to watch people who are really good at their craft play, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I guess kind of going through the match, you know, what, what was the atmosphere like in the away end, especially because, you know, we were ahead, we were playing well, we were kind of, I don't want to say dominating the game because Chelsea were there too, but like we, we forced Chelsea to adapt to us a little bit more than I think we've seen a, a, us do in a while. Um, and what was the, what was the atmosphere like in, in the, the mood like, I guess, in the away end? Yeah. I mean, the atmosphere was, was, was nuts. You know, they were chanting pretty much the entire, entire game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like you said, we were kind of, we were kind of dictating some things at times. Like I felt like Stevens and Bedner, like were just cutting off like every pass, like that was coming their way and stuff. And I think that was just like such a big, big part of that. I mean, I think we were, you know, doing some, time wasting and stuff like that at times with getting the ball back in and everything. But that's just, you know, kind of how we have to play sometimes against a bigger team. And it's, you know, kind of funny because it, you know, it does get under their skin and you can see how it, how it can affect them and affect their fans. Um, but I think that kind of, you know, leads to them maybe making a slip up or something. Yeah. And obviously we had a couple of, of goals in the match that were, were great. Uh, you saw, uh, a piece of individual skill maybe from uh from Obafemi to to cut in and and curl that ball in the corner that I I'm not quite sure I thought he had. Um I also right. thought the you know the team did very well to win the ball to to press and win the ball back and then play the pass through to him. Uh I thought that was wonderful. And then you saw maybe you know maybe the best goal that the team has scored all season. I think if I was going to choose goal of the season right now it would be this Redmond's goal. Because I like team goals, I don't like the the strike that only goes in once every hundred times. Um, or you know, I like I like goals from open play. I, I have very specific criteria, which maybe maybe is not fair to everybody else, but I don't care because that's my criteria. So um, for you, I mean, getting to see those goals were were those. I mean, what what, what was your reaction at, as the as the goals happened? And, and at any point, did you when did you know that Obafemi was going to score that? in i guess you know was it was the ball already in the net before you figured that out or were you, were you kind of believed it or did, did it always look like he was going to score yeah that one that one was pretty pretty nuts and I mean, that happened at the the goal was on the other end from where we were at but i mean that that pressing play you know happened at the, the sideline i guess you know i was closest to our you know, corner or whatever so you kind of get got to see that you know that press or the you know the play come back and then and then, then kind of kick it up to to Obafemi, and I think, you know, I didn't even know the ball was going to get all the way to him, and then I think just that first touch and turn he made was uh-huh. just, and then I think he kind of started, you know, you kind of started getting to, on the edge of your seat then, and then when he made that cut in, and then you're just like, yeah, like, I mean, he was, you know, we could definitely, that was like right in, he was running, you know, right in front of us, you know, on the same, like, eye path that we had, you know. So I think like once he cut in and he just saw the the gaping goal there and I don't know where that, you know, left footed shot came from <laughs> stuff. And then, I mean, I think the guy next to me was even like, where did that come from? You know, I mean, we're just like, yeah, from nothing. I don't know. You know, like we just, we, we, we pressed them. We made a good play there and kicked it up and it was just boom, you know, like we just kind of struck them right in the jaw, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think my favorite part of the entire match is probably Birch and getting uh, a yellow card for time wasting, like back in the 30th minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I, I find that to be hilarious, but um, you know, we go into halftime up one, nothing. 
we come back and, and Chelsea makes some changes. Uh, I think Mason Mount comes on the, on the pitch and, and they try to do some things and they start pretty brightly in the second half, much better than they were in the first. But um, I don't think we were ever really troubled. I think saints were, were playing so, so well during this point. Um, and then, you know, eventually uh, we, we get the second, the second goal. And I, I guess, I think for us it came it was from a throw in I think that we kept the ball and then it was you know 15 or so passes or something 20 22 passes or something like that that we wound up scoring and um for you getting to see that play I mean was it how how did it ever feel like we were we were going forward or did it just feel like we were just passing the ball around or what was what was your thoughts as as it was happening Yeah um and I mean I think to go back a little bit like you were saying like yeah, halftime they made some changes. Mason Mount came on, which was that was a funny part of I think it was in the first half or you know, close to halftime when he was warming up. The Saints fans, you know, made sure to to, to you know, cause some chance or call some chance out to him about, you know, being escape, you know, or uh-huh. being from Pompey. So that that was pretty funny to hear that. Um but yeah, I mean I think then, you know, going into the second half, yeah, I think they had a chance or two like right off the bat. Uh-huh. I mean, I think even at halftime, you know, my phone was blowing up because obviously like that game was on the main like NBC sports channel here and you know, some of my friends or whatever knew that I was here. So or there, I mean, um, so they were, you know, blowing me up like, oh my God, your team's winning, you know, all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, hold, like pump the brakes, guys. Like this is going to be a long second half, you know, like we, <laughs> we don't always hold on to these, these leads and stuff. So um, I think, you know, at that point it was just kind of like, yeah, let's just, try to hold on if, if it ends one, one, then, then that's fine. We got our point, you know, that's expected, but, but yeah, I think the second half then, you know, started kind of off to a bang for them. And you're kind of like, Oh no, here it comes. You know, like you, you kind of start feeling the saints, just, you know, what's going to happen to us like usual. Um, but yeah, then, I mean, we kind of bounced back from that. Um, we had a couple chances. I know before, like a little bit before we had that, you know, a great team goal. I think it was like the 65th minute Redmond had like a wide open, like kind of one-on-one chance. Yeah. And it was just like, and that was right at our, you know, our goal end was right there. It was just like, ah, oh, I kicked it like you know, right in, right to the keeper. You know? And it was just like, ah, oh, I told the guy next to me, I was like, ah, oh, he really needed that. You know, he's, he's just been like lacking confidence all, all season, you know, and he had that just one-on-one. That was his chance to just pop it in there. But yeah, then like you said, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't much longer after that. It's like only seven or eight minutes later, they kind of had that. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I probably just figured, yeah, we're just kind of recycling the ball around. We want to just keep the ball, keep possession, you know, hold on to this lead. But, but yeah, then it was kind of like Armstrong kind of made that, that little run. And it was like, uh, you know, I don't know if he was going to get to that ball. And then he kind of chipped it up. But it was like, falling to Redmond there and you're like I don't know if he's going to be able to get to that ball and then somehow he you know gets his toe on it and, and puts that one in and you're kind of just like in disbelief because like I said he just kind of missed that open one-on-one one a second ago and, and that one went in but I think that was just like an eruption and you know when that happened that was just crazy and then he ran you know to the corner there and we were just everyone was just going nuts and jumping around and it was like all right, two nil. Like we got this now, you know. Like with how our defense was had been playing, just the lockdown. It was kind of felt like all right, but you knew it was going to be a long, you know, a long rest of that game, fifteen minutes or whatever was left. It felt like forever. 
Um, yeah. but it was, it was so great to to get to walk yeah. out of there with three points because it was just something that we, we maybe didn't, I mean, we didn't really expect it. I think it's safe to say, and that's, I don't think that's a, I think it's wrong of us to say that or feel that way. Um, you know, it's just, it just is what it is. But, um, yeah. I mean, leaving there with three points, obviously you have to be satisfied with all of that. And it's the first away day done, um, you know, good seats, good atmosphere, uh, a good a good match from the team and then of, of course the the two goals that were that were equally good um so i imagine you would have left there feeling pretty you know with, with a good overall first impression and feeling pretty positive about the team and also about your kind of the the trip to that point yes yeah yeah definitely and i think uh you know towards the end of the game as you know the chelsea fans were getting you know just not making any noise like they kind of hadn't been the whole game, but it was funny just hearing some of the other chants, you know, from, from the saints fans of just, you know, like your stadiums full of tourists and stuff like that. <laughs> and I was cracking up, which was kind of, you know, a bit, I guess, ironic as I was one of the tourists there, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it was funny to hear that. And then obviously like with a few minutes left in the match when it was you know pretty much sealed you know, or whatever at that point, and, and the fans are getting up and leaving, you know, they start chanting, like, is there a fire drill? Something like that. Yeah. So that, was, that was pretty funny. And then, uh, they, they, you know, after the game, even then they, you know, we got to see, you know, Hassan who will come over and, you know, do his thing and everyone cheering for that. And then they even had, you know, like a couple kind of Christmas theme songs where they were, you know, singing like, Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to see Southampton win away. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And then, like, they did, like, last Christmas. So, they, you know, last Christmas, they gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give you a Hassan Hootle. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, pretty awesome, too. Yeah. So, that was, it, uh, that, was that. That was nuts. Yeah, coming out of that stadium, that was was pretty wild. And you know, again, like the train ride home, you know, at that point it was, it was pretty packed, you know, with Chelsea fans and, you know, they were all kind of on their phones, you know, looking back through the stats and I think just kind of reading through those and I'm just like a little upset about the game, but sure, I, I honestly didn't like think they were like, I guess as mad as I expected them to be, but I kind of feel like it's just kind of how the, the table is right now where it's like, they're kind of just fighting for fourth, I guess, you know, and they can get back on track and fight for that. They're fine with it kind of thing. Yeah, it, it is, you know, kind of weird because I think, especially being a baseball fan, the season's so long that if you lose a game, you lose a game and you move on and it happens. But sometimes with football, I, I think our fan base, especially, and, and maybe Twitter's a bad example because that's where I get, you know, most of the, most of the feedback, most of the reaction is on, on social media. And maybe that's not a, a true indication of how everybody feels, but, um, you know, on Twitter after a loss, people are upset. It doesn't matter how we lose or, or who we lose to. People are always upset and you kind of expect people to be that way. Um, if, if they lose a match. And I remember when we lost to West Ham, a lot of fans were upset, super upset. A lot of fans left early because, but that was just because we, we played so poorly at that time. Um, it was Mark Hughes's first match in charge. It was, was not great. Um, but yeah, I, so I guess I, I guess I kind of understand that not everybody's that, that upset, but it doesn't, it doesn't, and, and they're still like pretty clear and there's still five points clear in fourth place at this point, uh, as we talk, you know, uh, in January. So uh, it's okay, uh, for them, I guess. 
Um, but let's jump to the next match because I don't want to. I don't want to keep you too long because you did get to see a home match as well. Um, yeah. So now you're you're leaving London. You're going down to Southampton. I imagine you took a train down yeah. there. You didn't drive, did you? <laughs> no, no. Although I did hear, you know, some people saying to take the, you know, just take a coach, you know, take a bus down there. But we just ended up doing the like the Southwestern Rail line from from Waterloo to Southampton. Been there, done that. Did you take the one, did you, did you save some money and take the one that stops everywhere or did you go the direct line? Um, we did, I think it was the direct one. I think it, it maybe stopped like one, one place. Yeah. Like once or twice maybe. maybe. Yeah. But yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty much direct. On the way back, we took, I think the one that stopped all the time and it took oh. a lot longer, but I had four tickets to buy. So I was well, I was willing to just sit there and play cards yeah. with the kids. It was yeah. fine. Um, so, so I mean, what was, I mean, what was that like? Cause I don't, we don't have uh public transit where I live. So this is all brand new to me, you know? Uh, right. So what was it like going into Waterloo and having all, all of that to, to deal with? Yeah. I mean, I think at that point, you know, we had been in London for pretty much, you know, almost like a full week then cause we had got in on Monday, but, um, so we were a little used, you know, I think pretty comfortable, I guess, with the tube at that point, which I freaking love. Like if we could have anything close to that, here would be amazing because I mean with like some of the apps and stuff nowadays it was just super easy to get around and figure out which lines to take and everything but, um but yeah I mean I think we did ask like one person there like hey you know what platform do we need to be going to is this the right you know right ticket and when we had initially bought the tickets I think I had bought one that maybe we were leaving around uh like 11 o'clock or something to get down to Southampton then at like 12 30 or something for the three o'clock game but I was just like hey let's just get there early like I'm not sure how crazy this is going to be or anything like that. So I think we even got on like the 10 o'clock or the one that left a little bit after 10. So we got Southampton even earlier, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that train ride down was, was fun. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too, too long or anything like crazy like that. Like I said, I'm kind of used to a four hour drive up to Tallahassee or something for a football game. So, um, like, you know, Florida's huge for, you know, it takes us an hour and a half to get over to Disney in Orlando. So like, it's not, you know, nothing like that. It's too crazy to us. But I think what was different about those was, uh, or like that train ride was, you know, on, on the tube around London, like you, you can't really like drink or anything on those, on right. those trains. But on these ones, like people were bringing like a bag of beer or something on, or they had, you know, like a, like a six pack or a four pack of tall boys, you know, and we're uh-huh. drinking one and, and holding the rest, you know, through like the little plastic, you know, um, you know, the thing that like ducks get their heads stuck in, you know, or whatever yep, yep. I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, so it was kind of funny, like people were pounding those and, you know, a couple rows away from us, you know, some, some football fan, I don't even know what game he was going to, but it was just like, you know, F this, F that, like every, every other word talking about whatever, games or teams he was talking about so that was kind of funny to hear all that um and then i think even when we got to southampton there was a there was like a pretty decent sized uh group of like palace fans that had, they must have been riding in another coach or something but they yeah. had got off around the same time so they all they all seemed like they were you know well on their way to being tuned up for the game too um and they kind of had that typical uh i guess stereotypical uh, hooligan kind of look to them, I guess. Not, okay. not that I think that, you know, that every English fan is a hooligan. I know I've mentioned this a couple of times, but they did have, you know, that the black jacket jeans and, and white trainer. So I'm like, all right, yeah, let's, 
you know, let's not be uh, too outward with our what we're here for, you know, and uh, we're yeah. on the London train too, so. Um, but yeah, it was, they seemed like they were fine, you know, they were just walking to their next bar or whatever they were going to. And, um, but yeah, I mean, once we got to Southampton, I was just kind of going straight for the, the bar that I was going to meet the, meet the, in that number guys, uh, yeah. at. So we, we were meeting at the standing order it was called. So, yeah. So, so you, you, you roll into Southampton central and you start walking, making the, making your way towards the, you know. Toward, towards the stadium and i think there's a big ikea right there uh, yeah, around there yeah um and, and so as you as you make your way up and you're going to meet ray and kevin i, I assume yeah yeah so kevin was in town for the holidays um and he was in town with his wife and his brother in law and then so where is the standing order in in terms of between from southampton central to, and and I imagine a lot of the listeners were a lot of, will already know this, but, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's somewhere in the middle, you know. I was just <laughs> kind of popping pop, popping it in my Google Maps or sure. whatever, and just like, hey, all right, we got to go this way, you know. But uh, but yeah, so we just ended up there, and I think, I mean, we got there like a decent amount earlier than than they were there, so. Um, you know, so we just kind of grabbed a couple drinks and we're hanging out, but it was you know definitely cool to see you know, a whole bar full of, of people in Saints gear and stuff, you yeah. know, and, um, yeah, so we were just kind of hanging out. Like, I didn't know really if they were there or not. And we were just kind of, you know, making a couple rounds of the room to see if I saw them. And then we eventually, there was like this, like older guy that was there just had like a little high top table by himself, like right next to the bar. And at one point we were just kind of like standing around across the room throwing and I look over and he just kind of like waves me over and I'm like, Oh, I told my wife like, Oh God, what does this guy like want from yeah. me, you know, or whatever. And then so he was like, Hey, he's like, I'm, I'm about to leave here. But he's like, you guys can just take over this table. He's like, it looked like you guys needed one. I was like, Oh, great. Nice. Like we met this guy, you know, from Southampton there. His name was like Dave or David, but like funny enough, he had like recently been, went on a cruise with his wife, like, all the way from Southampton to like New York and then they flew ended up flying back but so like it, it was like really cool talking to him we ended yeah. up having like a connection where he had some family in Maine my wife had some family in Maine so like he was in the Navy my you know my wife's grandfather was in the Navy like there was just there was a lot of like cool little bonding things we were talking about and everything like that so he was a super cool dude and then um you know we kind of ended up taking over his table and once once he was walking out like ray and, and kevin and all of them were coming in so it worked out like perfect awesome like yeah like after the fact we were kind of like Did, was that guy like real or was he like a guardian angel kind of thing <laughs> or something or like like i don't know if that guy was a real person or not like you know we had just watched like it's a wonderful life you know around the christmas holidays so it was kind of like this guy you know? yeah so but um, but yeah, so those guys were great. though when we met met up with Ray and Kevin, and then I guess did you did you go with Ray and Kevin to the ground then, or did you kind of part ways with them and and you and your wife went on your own, or or what what happened there? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I you know I had told them like, hey, you know, we still need to get our tickets. I kind of wanted to see the stadium. If I could go into the store before or something, that would be great. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, we were just kind of having a good time. So we were, we were enjoying a couple more pints and stuff. And I was kind of like, hey, as long as we get there, you know, in time for the game, I'm fine. But, uh, but yeah, we ended up walking, you know, all, all of our group together um, over there. And then, you know, they kind of 
you know, showed me the, you know, the front of the stadium, you know, or Big says, you know, St. Mary's Stadium. She pointed out, you know, the Ted Bates statue, you know, Ray pointed me right over where the ticket office was. So like all that was, all that was great. And then, you know, they kind of headed to their, their seats in the, in the itch in the north end. And then, you know, we kind of just agreed to, hey, let's meet back up with the statue after, um, after the match and we'll go, go get a couple more drinks. Awesome. Awesome. And then, of course, we didn't take all three points from that game, but, I and and this is the game. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't I think I had a harder time kind of focusing on this one because there was so much going on just in a whirlwind kind of couple of days, you know. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, we we still managed a point. Um, but what was your kind of take on this game compared to the Chelsea game? What was the biggest kind of difference from, you know, uh seeing the team perform just a couple of days before to what you saw this time. Yeah. I mean, I think you could definitely see, you know, the toll that playing, you know, two games so close together, you know, within a span of a couple of days can, can really take on the team and their fitness and everything like that. Uh, and, and I guess when you were walking into the stadium, you know, did you, did you get to see the the store and stuff at the beginning of the game or did you just have to go straight to your seats? Yeah, we pretty much, we, we just had to go straight to our seats at that point, um, which was fine. I mean, we ended up running over to the store after, like right after the game. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we pretty much went straight to our seats uh, and, you know, caught, you know, caught the start of the game and all that. So we were still fine. But, um, For you, having seen Stanford Bridge and now St. Mary's, like, what was the biggest difference between the two stadiums? Was there a recognizable difference, like the way the stadium felt uh, to you, or did it did it feel kind of similar? Or what 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 was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you could definitely tell, you know, that St. Mary's is like you know a newer stadium. Um, I guess like Stanford Bridge is, you know, I feel like a little more like vertical, where St. Mary's is a little more like a bowl, like it almost. You know, kind of just reminding me a lot of like, I guess, any type of like stadium here in the States where, you know, if we were going to build like a new soccer stadium here, I feel like it would look a lot like St. Mary's, Um, which I don't think is, you know, a bad thing because there is not like a bad seat, I don't think, in the stadium. Right. Where, you know, Stanford Bridge, there's probably, you know, similar to like Wrigley Field here or Fenway Park, like you're going to have little weird things about the stadium where you might have an obstructed view or something or not be able to have the best view, but it's kind of like the character of it, you know, over the newness, like you kind of have to, I guess you're trying to, you know, seesaw that type of thing with the fans and everything. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, you're a little bit further away from the stadium or from the pitch. I mean, so, you know, I guess it would be nice to see, you know, because obviously I didn't support the team when like they were in the Dell, but like, you know, just see like some YouTube clips of it. But yeah, I mean, I think that would be a little bit more where you're like on top of the pitch, like right there with the, with the players and they can, you know, hear them, hear you screaming a little bit more and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely love, you know, like St. Mary's and everything like that too. Yeah. I, I would say that that St. Mary's, I guess there's a definite template to it. It definitely fits into the, into that, it looks like a lot of other stadiums that were built around that time. Whereas it doesn't quite have the feel of some of the other places I, I would imagine um, that they go that some of the older stadiums, you know, like I, 
I don't have a problem admitting this, but like I wanted to at some point get to the old White Hart Lane before it was gone, you know, because mm-hmm. I just I, I look at some of those places that are, you know, um, Loftus Road, even where Queens Park Rangers play, they're just mm-hmm. they're right on top of the of the of the pitch. And I, I, I would like to experience that just just once or twice um, as a as a fan uh, and and it. it it is, you know, times change and, and stadiums are built and, and things change and, and styles come in and out. So not, not complaining about what we have, but it's definitely a little bit different. But, um, I mean, I, I guess we, we're not going to walk through the whole Palace game, but, I mean, to you, like, what were some moments that kind of stood out to you that maybe left an impression on, uh, on you about maybe the stadium or that match in particular or a specific player, maybe your chance or, or anything that just kind of stood out to you from your first experience at St. Mary's? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think playing Palace, I feel like, you know, even watching them on TV over here, like, you know, that their fans are like super into it and you can always hear them like chanting and everything. So I think they had, you know, some very dedicated fans that seemed like that, you know, were standing and screaming and yelling pretty much the whole time. But, you know, obviously the Itchen North did a great job of you know, combating with them and drowning them out. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, again, like hearing, you know, when the saints go marching in, in St. Mary's, you know, in, in your home had, you know, a little special, uh, special ring to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as within the game itself, you know, there was, we got to see, you know, a VAR decision go for us. So, you know, we got to hear the VAR, you know, it was one of our own chant and everything like that. That was when, uh, earlier in the game too, like right at the start, Hoiberg had like his whole shirt practically ripped off uh-huh. too. That was, that was an interesting thing. Never seen that before. Um, but yeah, I mean, then we, you know, Danny Ings was playing. So we got to see a Danny Ings goal, which was, you know, great to keep that, keep his streak going, uh, everything like that. And again, you know, kind of off of, off of the press, off of, you know, a mistake by Palace. But I think that's just kind of, kind of going to be a result of, you know, how Ralph wants the guys to play. Um, I mean, I feel like we've kind of been seeing it all year almost in a way. Um, I felt like kind of at the beginning of the season, it was like, almost seemed like all of our goals were coming from that, like weird little mistakes by the team. Like Ings had that goal against Tottenham where like Clarice, I don't even know what heck he was doing in goal that day. Or <laughs> I think he had another one against like Wolves where maybe they made a mistake and we played that and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just part of our pressing style. Um, yeah. and I was kind of thinking, um, like I didn't know, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe teams kind of underestimate us when it comes to the press or something. Like maybe they, they don't think we're going to be as good as it as some of the bigger teams, you know, like when they play Liverpool or City or, you know, Spurs under under Pochettino, like maybe they wouldn't make that back pass like Palace did, you know, and yeah. maybe they would have just booted it out, you know, and they don't, they don't expect us, I guess, at this point to, to have that pressing style and the speed to, to get to that. So they kind of underestimate us in a bit. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure someone can look into that and, probably prove that completely wrong or debunk that theory, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure. I think, I think sometimes they, they think, you know, obviously when Liverpool or city press you, their players are of a higher quality across the board. So they are probably going to be better at that particular job in and of itself. And, and just that kind of 
togetherness that we don't always have and didn't always possess, but when we do right. it the right way, and it seems like, you know, since the last international break, we've been a lot better at it. And when we, we are doing it, I guess, better, we are, we're just overall performing a lot better. And, and the team has been a lot more together and everybody's fulfilled that role. And when everybody does their job, you wind up, you wind up, you know, forcing people to make mistakes. And even going back to the Obafemi goal, the pressing, you know, helped, mm-hmm. helped to win the ball back in a, in a spot where um, Chelsea were out of position and we were able to score, score from it. So uh, it still takes yeah. some, some individual skill, obviously. Uh, Obafemi had a lot to do, but uh, Ings, um, you know, was confident yeah. enough just to finish it first time, um, yeah, yeah, which I, I mean, thought, was, thought was great. Yeah, I mean, I think when you saw that, you know, the ball was, was going to be right in his path. It was, you know, at that point, it's kind of like it's automatic. Like, Ings is just on fire right now. He's confident. You know, like he takes it first time. Like, he just knew he, he has that chance right there. He's he's putting it in. Um, and I think, you know, from that, then I don't think you can talk about this game and not talk about Gineppo's impact because once he came on and stuff, that was just like a game changer on the left side up there. He was just like causing so many problems for the, for Palace. Yeah, yeah. And and I think Southampton played a lot better than Palace did that game, uh, but especially... Uh, we didn't really look like we were coming back into it until I think Janae yeah. came on the pitch and he was a, a real joy to watch. But I remember looking at this game, the Palace's XG for that game was 0.14. Um, and whereas ours was 1.48. So uh, we should have scored a goal and a half. They should have scored, you know, uh, yeah. just more than a tenth of a goal. Um, so it just shows, I mean, they, they, they were ahead, sure, uh, but they were not at all that better than us on the day so uh just the way it goes sometimes i guess yeah because i mean i guess it was just like even you know their goal they scored it was you know off of that free kick i think and it was you know a nice little Mm -hmm. you know feed from from whoever took it but like yeah it was just i think it was close to right after coming out of the half so it was kind of like i don't know if we were just kind of yeah, still, still getting like the uh, the dust off of us from resting a little bit or what? I mean, Stevens just looked like he was just a little too slow to get there or something. It was just, yeah, you know, sometimes that just happens. You know, that's like sometimes it feels like you know that last five minutes of the first half, first five minutes of the second half can be like some of the most important times to yeah. just stay focused. You know? Yeah, it was a, a Tompkins header from a Milivojevic uh, delivery from the set piece, but. Um, I'm pretty sure I said his name wrong, but that's all right. Um, I guess just to wrap this up, uh, cause I told you 35, 40 minutes and here we are <laughs> the hour and 20. So I apologize no, uh, no. forever. Um, but I, I guess the, the trip itself, obviously a success, four points from two matches. You, you'll take it, uh, yeah. two different grounds. Um, I, I think all, all good things, but, um, for anybody else from the United States, maybe that's going to go over to England and see the team or attempt to see the team. I guess what's, do you have any advice for them as as they get over there and, and things to watch out for that maybe we're just not aware of as, as Americans or people, maybe just people from outside the UK, not, not just Americans because there are fans of course, all over the world. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, do your research about the tickets. Like I had you know, no idea going in about that. Um, you know, the tickets normally seem like they go on sale about a month out from the match. Um, so looking into that stuff, but I mean, 
I felt like the Saints ticket office was super responsive when I sent, you know, either sent them emails or, or tried to give them a call. Um, I took the train down. I know people, other people that have taken the bus down from London, but um, I felt like the train was super easy. I think even even the tickets we got were, I think like an like an open you know return for that you know same day or whatever. So like we, it didn't really matter what time we got back to Southampton Central train station. So like you know after the game, I met back up with the in that number guys and. You know, we even met up with Freddie from the ugly inside and, and stopped at a couple other places to have a couple more drinks. But, like, it was nice, you know, knowing that, like, hey, as long as there's a train going out, we can get back to London. So that was one nice part about that. Um, so I think taking the train was maybe a little bit better for us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think in general, just, you know, reaching out to this, like, Saints FC Twitter family and stuff was awesome. Like, I know I... I sent out a message maybe a couple weeks before or a week before, you know, and tagged a bunch of you guys, you know, and I got some traction and retweets and stuff. And, you know, whether it was the podcast guys or just random other people, you know, saying, you know, glad to have you, you know, have fun at the game, any questions, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's, it's a tight knit group that we have here. So, you know, use it and they can help you out or meet up with you. And, and everyone that I met was like, super generous and happy for us to be there and happy to hear our story, you know, how we became Saints fans, and, you know, ha- just happy that we were there, you know, and to, to just be for these outsiders that somehow found this, this little team and, you know, like it, you know, maybe not as much as they do from growing up there, you know, or we can't, you know, match their intensity, but, um, but yeah, it has a special place in our hearts and, you know, too. So I think all that was really cool. Yeah. And I can say that Twitter is not always the nicest place. It's, it can be a bit of a mess, um, Definitely. but there are good uses for it. And, you know, I would say that, that for the most part, most of the fans that support Southampton are, are pretty accepting of people that are coming over, uh, to see the team that, that support the team. And, and it is, it, it would be maybe a little bit difficult to accept somebody because you're not supporting a team like Man United or Arsenal who have a reputation of having overseas fans and, you know, uh, a, basically a stadium full of tourists, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so when somebody, maybe there's a little bit of suspicion sometimes when somebody says, yeah, you know, I support Southampton and I'm from California or Florida or, or Wisconsin or whatever. Um, but I would say most of the people are, are, you know, as long as you support the team and you, you, you can show that, then they're going to be accepting of you and, and want you to, to have a good time. And, and I think you saw that. I think you, you, you witnessed that, uh, from the, from the guy with at the table, uh, in, yeah, in the bar to, to, you know, uh, Ray and Kevin and everybody meeting you and Freddie meeting you up afterward and, and taking care of that. So I think it's all, I think it's all, I think that's all the good stuff that, that happens with, with the, with the people. And I can say that from my experience with the people over there, it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful just to be around. And, and I was at a miserable, horrible game where people were upset and they were still super nice to me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm super glad you guys had a, a good time. I'm glad you guys got some results. Um, you might have to go back. If we start tanking it, you're going to have to make more trips. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm all for it. Uh, I won't go with you cause I don't know if that'll kill it or not, but, uh, one time <laughs> we'll have to make sure it happens. Yeah. We need to coordinate something for sure. Um, and I guess, you know, uh, as the people were generous, I, I just want to say thank you to you again, because you were very generous with, with your time uh, with, with me here tonight. 
uh, it, it was a pleasure to talk to you about, uh, about all of this. And I, I had personal questions answered. And I, I just like to hear the stories that other people have going to support the team and, and kind of getting to relive that through you and, and your story, because it is something that as a fan from California, it, it's only ever happened once for me. I've only ever gotten to see the team one time. And the idea is to go back as much as I can, but as a, a father and a husband and with children and you know, everything else, like it, there are things that prevent us from just hopping over there for, for the matches. So it's, it's nice to be able to relive it a little bit through you. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for having me, giving me this opportunity. Um, hopefully, you know, meet some more of the Saints FC family, um, you know, on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, hopefully, you know, we can ride out this, this season and hopefully finish with like a, like a top 10 position. Uh, I want to say thanks again, and uh, we'll be sure to have you on. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, they can do that. You're on Twitter and Instagram at Kurt Supple. Uh, of course, links are in the show notes. Uh, so people should give you a follow, and uh, you know we'll do this again. Yeah, sweet. Thanks, man. That does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Kurt Supple. Kurt, thank you for taking the time to share the details of your trip with us. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed uh, the conversation as much as I did. And if anybody wants to follow Kurt on Twitter or Instagram, he is at Kurt Supple. There are links in the show notes so you can go find him. And don't forget also about the second annual U.S. of Southampton FC event happening April 4th, 9 a.m. Fado's Irish Pub in downtown Chicago. Uh, make your way there. Get on the Facebook page if you have Facebook and RSVP. Let them know you're coming so they know how much to plan for, et cetera, et cetera. And like I said at the top of the show, it's something to be excited about uh, in a week where Saints really didn't do um, all that much. But uh, also good news, uh, Liverpool lost. So there's that. If you're enjoying this show and like to follow along on social media, you can do that. We are at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. The easiest way to get that and much more is to go to the website, southamptondelivery.com. There you can find links to listen to the show on a number of audio platforms, as well as sign up for the newsletter that comes out each and every Friday. Stop by, take a look, let us know what you think. Uh, I would really appreciate that. The show would not be possible without the partners of the show. You can follow the Southampton page at Southampton page one on Instagram and at Southampton page on Twitter. Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram does the logo for the show. Special thanks to him for taking the time to do that. And um, all music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. We'll be back next week. Hopefully Saints are able to take three points from Newcastle. And uh, until then, we're going to together and march on.
Also, if you didn't know, in San Francisco, there's an app for pooping on the street. You're supposed to take a picture of it with Snapcrap. That's the name of the app. And then it tells the city where to clean up. It's a real thing I learned this weekend. You know, because either we win or we learn. And I don't feel like I won having watched a guy actually defecate on the street. So I learned. I think we're done here.